Let's pray. Father God, we just thank you and praise you for this day, Father. We thank you for your word and your grace, Father. We pray today that this word will go forth and will not return void, Father. We thank you for open minds and open hearts. And we give you praise and honor and glory for it in Jesus' most precious name. Amen. So this little uh, Catholic boy went to confessional and he said, Forgive me, Father, for I have sinned. And the guy said, All right, go ahead. And he said, Well, I'm, I made out last week with a very wild girl. And the priest sat there for a second and said, Joey Pagano, is that you? And he said, Yes, sir. He said, well, who was it? He said, Father, I can't say. He said, was it Kathy? He said, Father, I, I really can't tell. And he said, was it Martha? He said, no, Father, I really can't tell. He said, well, was it Sally? He said, Father, I, I can't tell. He said, well, I appreciate it, but you've still sinned, so you can't be an altar boy for four months and go and do your Hail Marys and your atonement. The boy left the, the um, booth and went and sat down by his buddy. He said, what'd you get? He said, a four-month vacation and three very good leads. <clears throat> I was trying to get Sally to approve that. That's why the music got all jacked up. Just make sure, you know, sometimes. <clears throat> all right, so we, we talked about, two weeks ago, we talked about who the church was and, and, and where they came from. And then last week, we talked about who you are in the church. And, and you know, it's kind of, probably should have put this one in the middle. Um, we, we sometimes get into a situation where we know who we are and we know what we're supposed to be doing, but under what authority, right? Because really and truly, the authority is, is, is the big piece of the picture, right? Um, no, I don't know what Marvin's does anymore because I don't get caught up in that. Philip and Joel might do, but used to be at, at, at Central True Value, I had an account. And if you wanted something on my account, all I had to do was authorize you as a user. And then they had a list of names. And if your name was on that list, you could walk in and say, I want the whole store and put it on Robbie's account. And they gave it to you, right? Because of the authority that I had in my account, because I paid my bills, right? They let me authorize whoever to go in my stead, right? So if I was on a job or if I was not on a job or if I needed something, I could send somebody. And it was, and at one point in time, I, I mean, it was a pretty good list of different people that could go in there and say, hey, this is on Robbie's job, and done, and they would charge to me, and everything was over, right? So that authority, um, my authority of the account was given to my people, right? The people who worked for me, and it was not even necessarily all the people on the list wasn't necessarily hourly employees. It was just my folks, right? People who might, I think, pretty sure Daddy was on the list, and I know Caleb was on the list, and Philip and Joel and Marvin, and, and it was all kinds of folks, right? But because of my authority, and I gave them the authority to be on the account, they could walk in just like if it was me and say, hey, look, I need this, this, and this, and they would get about doing it. Um, the way lumber prices are today, though, I don't really give anybody that kind of authority because <clears throat> it's pretty crazy. But what we don't understand is, is that we tote around the authority of God, and that's We'll go through the whole thing. We're going to set it up. We're going to go back to some Old Testament stuff. And we're going to look at some New Testament stuff. But we'll talk about what it means to have God's authority. Okay? Um, 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 um. So if you will, just to, to start us off, turn to 1 Samuel um, chapter 17. And we're going to kind of skim through most of 17, some of 17. We're going to talk about 17. And once you get to 17, you'll figure out what it is. Um, 
So 17.1 says, Now the Philistines gathered their forces for war, assembled in, in Judah, and they pitched a camp, right? And they were getting ready to fight us, right? In verse 4, a champion named Goliath, who was from Gath, came out in the Philistine camp. And his height was six cubits in a span, or about ten feet tall, nine foot something in another. Uh, bronze helmet, blah, blah, blah. Big dude, huge, huge, huge man. And he stood and shouted at the ranks of Israel, Why do you not come out and line up for battle? Am I not a Philistine? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Choose a man to come out. And I, it, verse 9, If he is able to fight and kill me, we will become your subjects. But if I overcome him and kill him, we will become your subjects, right? So, so this is a challenge of war daily, right? Daily, the authority of God was challenged. And you go, well, not really. Yeah, yeah, really. That was the Israelites. That was God's army, right? And so this uncircumcised Philistine, right? That's what King David's going to call him in just a minute, came out and challenged the authority every day. And people who do not understand authority, right? If I, if, I sent, um, if I sent Joel to the hardware store and he didn't understand the authority he had on my account, you know, he might have a hard time figuring out how he was going to pay for the materials or get somebody to give him the materials or whatever, but he doesn't. He understands the authority. He understands he comes in, tells them our account number. Well, I don't even really know how we do it with Marvin's anymore, but it's some form of something. It's a magic handshake or password or something. Anyway, and they give us the stuff, right? But... We understand the authority, but the folks that were sitting in the camp did not understand God's authority, right? He did not, they did not understand what was taking place. And we'll skip all the way to 25. Now, the Israelites have been saying, do you see how this man keeps coming out? He's coming out and defy Israel, and the, the king will give us great wealth to the man who kills him, right? In 26, David asked the men standing near, what will be done for a man who kills the Philistine and removes this disgrace from Israel, who is uncircumcised Philistine that should defy the armies of the living God, right? King David understood what was taking place. He understood whose authority that this guy kept challenging. Nobody else really got it, right? They were looking at the physical. And that dude as big as that door back there. That's what they knew, right? Almost 10 foot tall. 600-ish pounds. Yeah, all, all they could see was the physical and going, man, I don't want to fight that dude. And here comes King David. Obviously, he's not a king at the moment. He's still a shepherd. And he says, um, what are we going to do with this guy? He keeps threatening us. And then his brothers were all mean to him. Why do you come in here? Who's taking care of the sheep? Don't you got a job? What are you doing here? You know nothing. Um... And then David was upset and said, can I even speak, blah, 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 blah. So King Saul heard that David was upset. 32, David said to Saul, let no one lose heart on account of this Philistine. Your servant will go and fight him. <laughs> really? <laughs> Little boy, you just showed up and, and you're going to go fight him? Okay, that's funny, right? Because I have all of these troops and armies and, and, and all of this stuff and I'm the king. And Saul said, you're not able to go out against this Philistine and fight him, and you're only a young man, and he has been a warrior from his youth, right? Um, 34, but David said to Saul, your servant has been keeping his father's sheep, and when a lion or bear came and carried off a sheep from the flock, I went after it and struck it and rescued the sheep from its mouth. 
And when it turned to me, I seized it by its hair and struck it and killed it. Your servant has killed both lion and bear. And this uncircumcised Philistine will be like one of them because he has defied the armies of the living God. The Lord rescued me from the paw of the lion and the paw of the bear and will rescue me from the hand of this Philistine. Now, why is it important in this situation that King David keeps saying, or not King David, that David, the young child, keeps saying uncircumcised Philistine? Why? Why is it important in that situation? Well, if we go back to the Old Covenant, the Old Covenant was established through Abraham through circumcision, right? The blood of the covenant was the blood of circumcision. So what David kept saying is this, this dude has no authority. He is not protected by the covenant that I'm protected under. Don't you get it? He's not one of us. He's not part of our group. Don't you understand? He's not protected by God. He does not have God's authority. We have God's authority because we're under the covenant. And they kept saying, yeah, but you're a little boy. He's like, you don't understand. My contract says that God will protect me. And they, they don't get it. They're standing outside of God's authority, doubting what's taking place. Um, verse 45. Uh, so, so, so they're there and they have um, the, the two, two men are going to go at it. And, I mean, and, and, and Goliath has a, a, a guy that carries his shield and his, you know, his, his staff weighs so much and his sword weighs so much. Almost everything he has is bigger than David, right? Everything he has, his whole, his whole set of armor. And David said to the Philistine, you come against me with sword and spear and javelin, but I come against you in the name of the Lord God Almighty of the armies of Israel who you have defied. And this day the Lord will deliver you into my hands and I will strike you down and cut off your head. This very day I will give your carcass of the Philistine army to the birds and the wild animals and the whole world will know that there is a God in Israel. He did not say, I'm stronger than you, I'm better than you, I'm faster than you. He said, you come against me with the weapons of this world, right? You come against me with physical weapons, but I come against you in the name of the Lord God Almighty. I have authority over you. I don't care how big you are. I don't care how mean you are, how many people you killed, how big your sword is, your shield, how much your armor weighs, how much you weigh. I, that, that part is irrelevant. That is an amazing insight from a young child. He based his whole decision on this based on the covenant of God. Based on the agreement that was made between the Israelites and the living God, right? Everything that he did, said, and went about right here was based on the agreement. The authority that God gave them gave them through the covenant of who they were supposed to be. And the one guy in the whole joint that was wise enough, insightful enough, obedient enough, whatever you want to call it, to be, to understand the authority of God, right? And he made it in a display. This was not... You know, a lot of times your victories in God are behind closed doors or in, in, in by yourself or not everything is put on a display, right? 
I mean, people are going through stuff and, and having victories in God that, that are amazing that you might not never know about. Might be your neighbor, might be your friend, might be your family member. But this particular instance was on display in front of the entire army, right? Everybody was fixing to see what was going to happen. And David took the most basic of weapons that ever existed, <laughs> a slingshot, and attacked what arguably is the greatest force of, of military ever, right? I mean, this huge being of, of, of war. And if you looked at it in the natural, you saw small child, giant man. How is this going to work out? But if you looked on it in the supernatural, you would see living, most powerful God in peasant. You would see someone who is not even worthy to be in the same conversation as King David. But in in the natural, the, the Philistine was a giant, but in the supernatural, David, because of his understanding of the authority of God, was huge. It was not even a fair fight. And you go, yeah, it wasn't a fair fight. That's why I said David. No, no, it was the other way. You're looking at it in the natural. You, you're looking at it in the, what the, the things that you can see. And see, that's how we go about life. When we look at the things that we can see, we see the natural and we see the sickness or we see the disease or we see the opposition or we see the shortcomings. We look at it in the natural and go, how are we going to make this work? But when we look at it in the supernatural, it's not a fair fight. We win. We win. We have the authority of God in us, right? All right, so this is Old Covenant right? This, um, um, David's a servant, but he still understood his contract, right? He still understood, he still understood what was taking place. He still understood the, the, the idea of what it was, right? All right, so um, let's go to uh, the gospel according to Luke. And, and, and there's a couple of places in Luke, one in nine, one in 10. We're going to try to get both of them. Um, <clears throat> So, Gospel according to Luke 9, 1, And when Jesus called the twelve together, he gave them power and authority to drive out all demons and to cure all diseases. And he sent them out to proclaim the kingdom, to heal the sick. And he told them, take nothing for the journey. No bag, no bread, no stuff, no money, no extra stuff. Whatever house, right? You, you just go. To go into all the world and preach the gospel. I give you authority over them. Now, were these people born again? No, these were still servants, right? These were still servants. The transaction hasn't been made. We haven't moved from old covenant to new covenant yet. The servants went about and they had authority from God to cast out demons and to heal sick people. Okay? Um, chapter 10. It's like one page over. It's not a big turn. Or, I'm sorry, it's a couple pages over in my Bible. I got a, some stuff going on. Uh, ten one, and after Jesus, after this, the Lord appointed seventy-two others and sent them two by two ahead of him into every town where, <clears throat> in place where he was about to go. And he told them, "The harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. Ask the Lord of the harvest, therefore, <clears throat> to send out workers into the harvest field. Go, I am sending you like lambs to the wolves. Do not take a purse." Or bag, or saying those, do not greet anyone on the road when you have, yeah, yep, uh huh, uh huh. Oh, I'm getting there. And when you enter the town and you are welcomed, eat what is offered to you and heal the sick. 
who are there and tell them that the kingdom of God has come near you. But when you enter a town and not welcome, you go into the streets and say, even the dust of your town, we wipe off our feet as a warning. Right. So what happens if you go to 16, whoever listens to you listens to me and whoever rejects you rejects me. Right. So he kept sending these people out to go and preach the gospel on what authority? On his authority. Did they have authority? No. They had the authority of the old covenant, but the old covenant did not have authority to go into the world and cast out demons and heal the sick. Why? Because it wasn't, it wasn't part of the deal. The new deal, the new covenant, when Jesus got here, when he sent those people out, he gave them the authority. Why? Because the authority was already given to him. We learned that we read that last week in Matthew 28. It said, all authority on heaven and earth has been given to me. Right? So when he gave them that authority, they went about doing good, healing the sick, right? Preaching the kingdom of God is at hand. And he gave them some responsibilities. If they don't want you there, brush the dust off of you. And if you go there, eat, you know, eat whatever you're supposed to eat. What he didn't want them to do was go there and eat at this house tonight and that house tomorrow night and that house the next night where they were authorities and abusing the system. He just wanted them to go there and be part of the group and preach the gospel, right? Because the authority of God was transferred from Jesus into these people, into the 12 and into the 72, right? There's two groups of people. So what happens next? All right, so John 14. I'm not going to be long today. I'm sorry I was long last week. Um, John 14, 9. And Jesus answered, Do you not know me, Philip, even after I have been among you such a long time? Anyone who has seen me has seen the Father. How can you say, Show us the Father? Don't you believe that I am in the Father and the Father in me? The words I say to you, I do not speak by my own authority. Rather, it is the Father living in me who is doing this work. Believe me when I say that I am the Father and that the Father is in me, or at least believe on the evidence of the works themselves. Verily, very truly, I tell you, whoever believes in me will do works that I have been doing. And they will do greater things than these because I am going to the Father and I will do whatever you ask in my name so that the Father may be glorified in the Son. You may ask me for anything in my name and I will do it. So the authority of God was transferred to Jesus and he gave it to us, the, the followers, right? It, 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 there is a stipulation in there that we have to be the, the followers, right? It, I mean, there, there's, there's the name of Jesus belongs to his disciples and to his people and his brothers and sisters in Christ, right? But that authority that, that every knee will bow and every tongue will confess that Jesus is Lord has been given to us. And so when we look at things and, you know, right, we don't look at things that are seen. We look at things that are unseen because the things that are seen are temporary or temporal. But the things that are unseen are forever, right? So if you go back to the battle of Jesus, I mean, Jesus, 
David and Goliath, and you look at the things that are seen, the deck looks like it's stacked against it. But when we look at the things that are unseen and the authority that comes with the name of Jesus, the battle is already won. And we walk around like the troops did under Saul. We walk around going, oh my, who is going to do this? Who is going to fight this battle? What's going to happen next? This guy comes out every day and he threatens us. Oh, I hope somebody shows up and fights him. Oh, I hope the economy ain't bad. Oh, I hope our confidence doesn't slip. Oh, I hope our society doesn't fall further away from God. I sure hope somebody shows up and does something. Under what authority? Because the authority of the name of Jesus has already been given to the disciples we should walk up with the same vigor that David walked up and said, who is this guy? And what does he think he's doing? That's an uncircumcised Philistine. And he's talking to the army of God? Does he not know our authority? Do you not know who I am? Do you not understand that the power of God lives on the inside of me? The same Holy Spirit that went into the pits of hell and raised Jesus from the dead lives in the inside of me? And he gives me power and then he... Gives life to my body. That's the authority I walk in. In whose name do I walk in? I walk in the name of the living God. And when we change our opinion on whose authority are we walking in, it gives us a whole different perspective. If you look at David and Goliath and you go, well, no way that guy wins. But if you look at it in the authority of the living God, <clears throat> it's not a fair fight. And I know you don't walk into places and say, I'm here in the authority of the name of Jesus, and y'all need to back up. I mean, it would look kind of odd, I understand. But mentally, we have to walk about thinking about that we walk in the authority of the name of Jesus. That whether we are in a car wreck, or whether we are fighting a disease, or whether we have something coming against us, that nothing prospers against me. Why? Not because I'm that special, because I have Jesus with me. Me and Him win. Me and him win. So if you go to <clears throat> Acts <clears throat> uh, chapter 3, and we'll start with verse 1. One day Peter and John were going to the temple at time of prayer. And at 3 in the afternoon, now a man who had been lame from birth had been carried to the temple gate called Beautiful, where he was put every day to beg for those who were going into the temple courts. And when he saw Peter and John about to enter, he asked them for money. And Peter looked straight at him, and as did John. And then Peter said, look at us. Because they weren't supposed to look, right? They were supposed to beg like this. They were not supposed to put themselves on the same level, right? They were, less, they were less than. They were less than. Just, oh, please, give me some money. Granddad used to say, ask for alms and got legs. <clears throat> God bless him. So the man gave the, his, them his attention and expected to see expected to get something from them. And Peter said, silver or gold, I do not have, but what I do have, I give you in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, walk. And taking him, I guess he didn't get up in time, and taking him by the right hand, he helped him up and instantly the man's feet and ankles became strong and he jumped to his feet and he began to walk. And then he went with them into the temple courts, right? Walking and jumping and praising God. He didn't say, in my authority, because I'm a cool guy, because I was a disciple, 
I need you to stand up and do what I ask you to do. That's not what he said. He said, in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, stand up and walk. Why? Because he understood the authority of that name. He understood the authority of what he was getting ready to say. We need to understand the authority of what we say and what it comes out of our mouth. We hold, <clears throat> we, we watched a silly movie yesterday. Um, the girls were really taken back from it. And if you haven't ever seen it, it's, I mean, it's a little rough around the edges, but it's a, it's a, it's a good movie. Um, it, I don't know that they really meant for it to come across like it does, but it, it does. And it's called Book of Eli. And if you've ever seen the Book of Eli, it's, it's a very different movie, right? And, and, and Denzel walks across the whole world and, 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 and he is protecting a book. And that's the book, right? It's the only one left. And that's the whole thing, right? And the bad guy in the movie said, you don't understand. I have to have it. It's not just a book. It is a weapon. And I don't think he understands exactly what he was talking about. He was talking about it as a weapon to control people. But what he don't understand is it is a weapon. It is the sword of the spirit. It is the authority of the living God. It is the same book that takes a guy with a slingshot to walk on a battlefield against a man with armor that weighed more than he did. With a sword that was longer than him. With a spearhead that weighed 20 something pounds and defeated him with five smooth stones. The weapon is in the authority. The sword of the spirit is, what does it say? It's the divining, uh, deciding between joints and marrow. Between bone and soul and spirit and joints and marrow. It is sharp. It is living. It is a two-edged sword. The authority that we have in the Bible, most of us, well, we probably leave it home. But we walk around with it like this. Don't want anybody to see it. In case they might wonder why we're doing it. Don't want anybody to know. In case they might think we're crazy. Might think we're weird or different or strange. But what we should do is walk around with it out and ready. With the authority that it brings to us on our tip of our tongue. Ready to explain to the world why it may look like we're going to be defeated. It might seem like we've already lost. We might seem weak. We're not. We don't have the Lamb of God anymore. The Lion of Judah is coming back. The authority of the name of Jesus, it says that every knee will bow and every tongue will confess. And I know you're thinking, yeah, but I know that one guy that won't. Oh, I bet he will. It might not be today. It might not be next week. But the Bible says that every knee will bow and every tongue will confess to the authority of Jesus. That's a pretty big deal. And it'd be a pretty big deal if you just kind of knew that guy. Right? If you kind of knew the guy that had that authority, it would be pretty cool. Just say, hey, you know, <laughs> I know him. But I don't just know him. He gave me his authority. He gave it to me for me. He gave it for me. So if I have the authority that every knee will bow and every tongue will confess, it's real hard, as Paul said, not to boast. But I just want to boast a little bit on God. Ain't that amazing? Then I don't care what kind of situation we're facing. The authority of God is on my side. The same way that little boy walked onto the battlefield and destroyed a 
giant human being. It's the same authority that I walk around with inside of me every day. And then <laughs> I allow something to happen or somebody to bother me or somebody to say something not nice. And it gets me all in a tizzy. Why? Why? Why do I care what the world says? I know what God said. Why do I care what the world's authority says? I know what God's authority said. I'm not moved by what you can see. I know what is unseen. I am rooted and grounded in God's word. And that is invaluable. And when we start acting like it, oh man, I'm telling you, all of those troops sit around day after day and listen to this guy threaten and yell and talk trash about him. One little boy walked up understanding the authority in the covenant. and said, today I will feed your flesh to the birds. Where are we at? Are we cowards in our tent hoping that he don't come out and say it today? Or are we saying in the name of the living God I will destroy you today? That's the authority that we have that we walk around with all the time, all the time. He says he'll never leave us and he'll never forsake us all the time. I tote the name of Jesus with me everywhere I go. I tote the power of the Holy Spirit with me everywhere I go. Why am I afraid? Why am I taken back? No good reason that I could come up with except for knowing what God's promised me. And knowing the authority that's been given to me. He says that I give you authority to tread on serpents, uh, serpents and scorpions. My tongue is broke today. I, I've, I've given you authority to tread on serpents and scorpions. That still makes mom afraid of snakes. She don't believe that part. She can't wrap her head around it. But we have God's authority walking around with us all day, every day, in every situation. No matter who the enemy is. I mean, if Goliath wouldn't have been some giant guy, it wouldn't have even made the news, right? I mean, if he wouldn't have been some huge physical being, it wouldn't have made the news. It just one guy killed another guy. That ain't what God wanted. God wanted to show you what exactly it looks like between little and huge in the physical. And then in the spiritual, it was the opposite. We have to understand our authority. Let's pray. Father, we thank you and praise you for your word and your grace, Father. We thank you for your authority that you have given us, Father. And we just give you the praise and honor and glory. In Jesus' most precious name, amen.